Well, hey there, freaks. It's your boy, Marty, here to introduce this week's sponsor, the Cash App. You know all about them already. Cash App has been the number one finance app in the App Store for the last two years. They were the first P2P payments app to let you freaks buy it and sell Bitcoin. Then they were the first P2P payments app to let you withdraw Bitcoin to your own private keys. And now they're the first P2P payments app to allow you to withdraw, excuse me, to deposit Bitcoin on the app and then do with it what you may. I participated in uh, Cash App Wednesday last week and I uh, sent my hashtag. They sent me $5 worth of Bitcoin and it was really cool. Uh, on top of this, they have their boost program, which uh, allows you to go to merchants like Chick-fil-A, Whole Foods, Taco Bell. I go to Whole Foods and use it almost every day. And then I'll go walk to the coffee shop down the street, get a little coffee and use it a second time that day to save a dollar. The boost program is incredible. Um, so make sure if you download the app, you get the boost card as well. And if you download the app, make sure you use the promo code stacking sats because that'll allow you to get $5 for free. And then we will give $5 to a charity of our choice. Um, we're whittling that down right now. The, the charity sh- will be decided on soon, but let's help a good cause raise some money. Download the cash app today. Use the promo code stacking sats and enjoy this episode with the bull Bitcoin team. Matt and I sat down with BTC sessions and Francis Poilette. And we had an incredible conversation talking about the old days. We actually talked a lot about the Segwit 2X wars. Um, and it's a lot of history. A lot of history in this episode. It was fun to finally sit down with Francis and, and Benny. And, and we had a really good time. Hope you freaks enjoy. Tales from the Crypt. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. Second recording of the day. Sitting down with two fine gentlemen, and Matt Odell's with us again. So fucking pumped. So Happy pumped. to be here, guys. Uh, we're sitting down with Francis Paulette and BTC Sessions from Bull Bitcoin. Very excited for this. It's a long time coming. Welcome yeah. to the pod, guys. Yeah, thanks so much for inviting us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, I love the show, by the way. I oh. listen religiously. Thank you. I uh, Like I was telling you earlier, your, your YouTube videos from, from years past, I, I was a big fan of. You're a good advocate. No shit, actually? Yeah, you were traveling the world chilling yeah. Bitcoin. You actually watched. Oh, yeah, shit. That's yeah. fucking cool. Yeah. I, I, it blows my mind whenever somebody's like, oh, yeah, you were like on a beach somewhere talking about hardware wallets. Yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's crazy. So we're at, what I wanted to start with is we had Eric Spano on the podcast months ago, and he was the original founder of MyBills and handed it off to you guys. So I, I want to hear about the Montreal Bitcoin scene back in the day, how you came to meet Eric and how you came to acquire MyBills. Yeah, the, the Montreal Bitcoin scene, uh, those years were, the years with Eric and the Bitcoin MSC were 2013, 2014. They were insane. Like, uh, when I think back of, like, what we were doing, we were, s- like, way too early for doing what we were doing. So the Bitcoin Embassy was a nonprofit organization that was founded by three uh, early Bitcoin adopters and Bitcoin entrepreneurs. And um, it was kind of, it was a four-story building downtown Montreal. And we kind of started it as a uh, co-working space, uh, as a, I guess, meetup space mostly. Uh, we did some, uh, you know, kind of coin center public advocacy and stuff like that. And uh, Eric came on board. He was helping us with the finances because he was uh, uh, studying in accounting. Uh, but he came up with this great business idea. So he came on board as kind of one of the resident like founders and entrepreneurs. And I don't know how he came up with the idea for bills exactly. Uh, but um, I, I was working at the Bitcoin Embassy, so I was just helping him out on on his project, and it did extremely well. And like bills was really awesome because if someone's like well, what can you spend with Bitcoin? And I was just like, well, first of all, you can just use a prepaid credit card and you just don't have a bank account. You can spend fiat everywhere, just pay it off with bills. Uh, you can pay any of the telcos with bills with Bitcoin. So that was like a great soundbite to like every journalist. So, uh, and uh, he was running bills like as a one-man operation. Uh, he did pretty much everything himself. He designed the UX. He uh, he really created uh, the, the just the concept, the brand, and 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 the website. And then, uh, 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 well, you know, not unfortunately, but after a while, uh, he just got a really good opportunity to move to the U.S. and to work uh, for in consulting, and. I was kind of crushed, you know, because like I'd been pumping bills uh, as part of, you know, my job at the Bitcoin Embassy. I was promoting the Bitcoin companies in, in the space that, that were that were like residents there. I was pumping bills. I was helping him out on it. And um, it was like, we, we can't let that go. Uh, but it's such a difficult thing to operate like a bill, Bitcoin bill payment payment business. It's such a difficult like 
uh, not a lot of people were able, like, how can you sell that company to someone else when you built it entirely from the ground up and it's all dependent on like what you imagined. Um, so luckily, I mean, I had some experience with it, so we took it over. And at the same time, we were also running like a uh, Bitcoin cash to Bitcoin counter. So the Bitcoin embassy had a, like, a legit like trading desk where people would come in, sit down, like here's a bunch of cash. And we're like, all right, take our phones out, you know, pay them, you know, sell them Bitcoin on the spot, put the money in the safe. Uh, so we were kind of uh, uh, doing a bit of local Bitcoin initially, and then it just scaled. So we created this trading desk, and it was great because bills uh, in bills people pay their bills with Bitcoin, and uh, at the the counter people would buy Bitcoin. So we would get the Bitcoins from bills and sell it to the people at the counter, get the cash, and then uh, use that cash to pay the bills. Uh, so this this idea of the two-sided merger of a payment processor on one end where people are paying Bitcoin and an OTC desk where pe people are, sp uh, are buying those Bitcoins made it so we, have we avoided the exchanges. Uh, we didn't have to leave a lot of money on the exchanges for deposits. We weren't uh, paying as much uh, exchange fees. So it just turned out to be like a perfect match, right? The OTC desk on one side and the bill payment on the other side. You didn't have to touch Quadriga at all? Um, <laughs> we did. We didn't have to touch Quadriga, but we stopped, uh, we stopped using them, uh, I think, like two years, two and a half years ago. Uh, we, of course, uh, uh, being in Bitcoin since like 2013, uh, we all use Quadriga, right? Quadriga is like, it was like the, uh, like the bitstamp of Canada, right? Or the Kraken of Canada, everybody uses that. Um, but uh, I mean, it, it was pretty obvious to a lot of the Bitcoin community that it was sketchy, right? Uh, and I think a lot of the people that left their money on there, they kind of knew that they, they were they kind of taking out like a gamble that it wasn't going to be them that, you know, when the exit scam happens. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, yeah. So we tried to avoid the exchanges as possible. And eventually, um, you know, uh, we, I took over bills. I uh, hired a, a software engineering team uh, to have everything in house. So bills was uh, uh, built by a contracting company before. Now everything's in house. So if you want to like, you know, add a crazy feature, I just, you know, my devs are sitting next to me. I just asked them. Um, and uh, we merged uh, bills and uh, my company uh, that acquired the bills uh, from, from Eric with uh, uh, Bitcoin Brains from mm -hmm. uh, Calgary, uh, Alberta. And these were, they were running kind of the same operation as we were at the Bitcoin Embassy. So they had a physical space, they had like uh, meetups, uh, people were coming in to buy miners and you know, ask questions and stuff like that. Uh, so we merged the two companies to create like a pan-Canadian uh, bigger company. Uh, we didn't want to scale with VC money. We didn't want to scale like internationally at all. Uh, so we had the both the same mindset that uh, let's just serve the Canadian you know, market extremely well and just focus on one cryptocurrency, which is Bitcoin, obviously, and not do anything else. Just serve the Canadians extremely well with Bitcoin um, and forget about everything else. Um, and that turned out pretty well. Yeah. It seems like what you guys are building with Bull Bitcoin is, is you're building on momentum of the last five years. So like you're, 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 it seems like everything's coming together for you guys in particular. And so what was, y yeah, totally. what was the journey like for combining all this into one uh, umbrella company that is Bull Bitcoin? Well, yeah, great question. So when we first, uh, around like 2014, I mean, we had these uh, Skype groups that were like today's Telegram groups, like of early Bitcoin OGs, like, well, back then we were just like Bitcoiners. And uh, we had a Canadian Bitcoin like Skype channel and they were in there and uh, we kind of knew what they were doing. That was like 2014. And then we just started to talk. And then uh, we started to do some trades between each other, right? Some OTC trades for, for liquidity. And then they kind of just became our mentors because they had been doing that for like two years before us or a year and a half before us. Uh, so we were just kind of like pen pals, I guess. Like just we were doing trades and talking shit, you know, making fun of shit coins, uh, you know, reviewing like GPUs and like minor ASICs and stuff like that. So we just, yeah, we just became friends. And eventually we just started to trade exclusively with each other like every single day. Uh, so at some point, uh, I decided to quit uh, doing blockchain consulting. I did blockchain consulting for a year and a half, uh, and that was like horrible. Like yeah, what was that like? That, that was like your soul dying. <laughs> like that was every worst thing you can imagine about a job. Like, Who were you consulting for? Uh, I was consulting. Uh, I created a subsidiary of Grant Thornton in Quebec, uh, and we were consulting for like. <laughs> like uh, energy companies, uh, miners, uh, some tax stuff, like just typical big five consulting. But um, like we were extremely Bitcoin only and trying to push that into the mainstream. And I didn't see 
I, I didn't see me having the patience to like wait 15 years to convince the mainstream. And then I became much more interested and I talked to like uh, uh, Pierre Richard and Bitstein and Savedine. And through talking to them, I was like, fuck the mainstream. I don't have to sell Bitcoin. It sells itself, okay? And I should be focused on just one thing. Like we were, we were thinking, oh, we're going to be the Trojan horse of Bitcoin in the institutions. So okay, we're going to start with uh, open timestamps and like ECDSA signatures and PGP PKIs and like try to make them think that they're doing blockchain, but they're actually just doing like Bitcoin. And, <laughs> and, and we, we, we really had like a plan to do that and like you know sneak Bitcoin in through the back door. So oh, now you are using Bitcoin. You can't say you're not. No, no, no. But we decided that I just I was just grew tired of that of all the bullshit. Like I'm allergic to bullshit. And I was having like severe allergic reactions every single day. Uh, so yeah, so I stopped doing that. And then yeah, that's how, that's how I made Dave. So we just became super good friends and I quit that. I spent like a year, uh, a month uh, on vacation. And then, uh, you know, kind of like, you know, when Jack Dorsey came back from his like meditation, he like went full Bitcoin maximalist. I had a Beautiful. kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had a similar kind of experience where I was like just a, a month on the beach and doing nothing. And I was just like, I just I don't know. I, I spent too much time thinking. I don't know, and I just decided to go full full Bitcoin maximalist and uh, call Dave and said, "Yeah, this is like the time." And we both felt like this was the time to go Bitcoin only and to like specifically make a Bitcoin only brand and to make that like our thing. I, I mean, our main thing, which is Bitcoin only cypherpunk um, uh, and uh, just just the highest standards. And I think that was like really a good timing. And I'm seeing a lot of other companies that are kind of going in the same direction. And uh, I see this just spontaneous convergence of like what we should be focusing on the priorities. Basically, everybody's priorities are getting straight, and I'm pretty happy with that. What uh, what priorities in particular do you think are, are becoming aligned? Uh, well, I mean, when when we first so so I got basically Francis and, and Bitcoin Brains uh, they, they poached me from my old job, so I was you know I was lucky enough to be already working full time like in the the crypto space as I think a lot of people do initially even though they're like i'm i'm into bitcoin but i'll put up with this so i can do this full time you know that's that's seems to be a lot of people's trajectory and so like um you know i i was working in the space um but the job became like hey we're gonna we're gonna add every coin as like the the business model that you see basically everywhere that's not a bitcoin only company um and and we're just going to do the trading fees and we'll just we'll just add whatever doesn't matter like how many coins can we get and so i i, I got a little disillusion there and so when i, I remember having the conversation with i was i was at work <laughs> and so i went i went for a three-hour walk because i was talking to francis and that's how conversations with francisco and uh and you just basically dumped your brain of like w everything you wanted to accomplish to me and i remember there's a few key points where where we both came to this like mutual i think the wording was unapologetically bitcoin maximalist and we just started shooting the shit and saying like I, I think we were talking about the, the term maximalist and how, um, you know, in, instead of rejecting that term, people just just, you know, took it on. We're like, great. That's what that's what we're called. Cool. We'll, we'll go with that. And we've seen a lot of that. And so I think our with with bull Bitcoin, it was just whatever people call us, we'll just we'll just take it. And like we've seen a lot of that with like our bull Bitcoin kind of marketing push for like How about those advertisements, oh, those fuck. video ads? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people there's there's like a, a it's very segmented. It's either one or the other. People are either like that shit was hilarious or you guys are cancer. And so like uh, you know, I got a lot of a lot of like I can't believe you guys spent money d like calling out shit coins and making a professional video about it and i was i was like guys w we had the money to spare because we didn't buy any shit coins <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the funny thing is they still they still use our services they they still do convert to bitcoin and and use us to to cash out in fiat so you know jokes on them they have to pay you know exchange fees somewhere else the dirty little secret of every shit coiner is that they have a huge bag of bitcoin oh they all do yeah, oh they all right. totally do yeah, yeah absolutely it is the uh the reserve asset of the space for a reason yeah and and you know the priority i think if dave was here he would say uh this is our only chance of getting at getting a decentralized shilling point around sound money 
ever. Like, if we have to do this now, right? And for me, it's it's very much the same. Uh, I'm a huge uh, sound money uh, Austrian economics uh, advocate. I was an economics researcher before I joined Bitcoin. I was uh, working at the Montreal Economic Institute, which is a very notoriously Austrian economics-focused think tank. I worked at the Institute of Economic Affairs, which is the same, and the Fraser Institute in Canada, which is also an Austrian economics-focused uh, uh, think tank. And I was trying to kind of exactly that strategy of incremental change of like moving the Overton window over time by like producing research showing how the free market can help and that kind of stuff and uh, liberties and it's just it was going nowhere like uh, and then you know uh, uh, Bitcoin for us is is, is political uh, it's uh, it's uh, uh, a force of disruption uh, and let me contrast that for example with other Bitcoin companies that started out maybe 2013 2014 where for them Bitcoin was a market and it was a, a new innovation that they can get funding for to uh, subsidize their entrepreneur lifestyle. They didn't have a, a mission to eradicate the fucking Bank of International Settlement, right? So I when can, I'm talking all about I can priority, think about is Coinbase when you're talking like that. <laughs> maybe, maybe <laughs> probably. And BitPay. Coinbase and BitPay. Uh, and Blockchain Info. Uh, these three are the worst. Uh, but um, yeah, so the priority for us is uh, uh, that, 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 that's what it is. So how do we get there? Uh, our, our motto is building the Bitcoin standard. So that's uh, the software and financial infrastructure. So the on-ramp, off-ramp and uh, the the one of the hugest priorities of both Bitcoin is Cyphernode. Like people do not realize how much of our time we spend on Cyphernode. Like an insane amount of time. Me personally, I probably spend more time in Cyphernode than the rest of both Bitcoin because our and CoinJoin and that kind of stuff. Because like our goal as a company is to accumulate more Bitcoins. Like we don't have a target for an exit. We don't have like a transaction volume. Well, we do uh, projection, but really what we're looking for is can we accumulate a huge stash of bitcoins while it's still humanly possible like under a huge like amount of, of dollars and w and and also uh well we are doing this for ourselves we want to make bitcoin the king we want to make bitcoin we we want to see our purchasing power do 100x over the next 10 years so so when we're talking about priorities i mean this is the priority for us stack as many sats as possible that is the number one priority for us <laughs> i mean i think uh, I mean, you kind of touched on this. The memes are extremely important, right? All these, uh, the merch you guys have, um, the ads, those videos, right? Like, they're extremely powerful. Like, you can release research paper after research paper or whatever. But, like, what really gets through to people are those memes. It's, so the, the, the I, I came to Francis last year as I, as I joined the company. And I was like, listen, I got this idea for, like, a really fucking stupid like out there video and i i basically said like i want to do a a world vision ad for wrecked shit coiners <laughs> <laughs> and i was like and so like those of you that haven't seen it basically it's like a bunch of dudes on the street that look like down and out haggard. and then in the yeah and haggard and then it zooms in and they're all like they've all got like their signs that would typically be like spare any change except for it's like send eth y'all got any more of them daps <laughs> <laughs> and so and so and then it's like testo testimonials of them like you know and that and 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 the guys in the video like they're they they're all like pro Bitcoin, but they're like, yeah, we can we can step into that realm for a little bit. And uh, so we, we took so we took aim at like the biggest three that we kind of saw through 2017 that were getting pumped. So like Bcash is in there, Ripple and Ethereum. And uh, and we just kind of I don't know, we just the whole point was to 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 take the absolute ludicrous pumps and, and irrationality of 2017 and and comedically look at the fallout from that and so we just yeah i don't know we just went with it we filmed for like half a day with a really wicked uh filmographer uh, videographer in calgary numero films that guy's morgan's a boss and he just turned it into this like hilarious looking thing and we put it out there and half the people were laughing and half the people were super mad right well and that comes back to like the shirt you're wearing toxic bitcoin maximalist and i think those videos personify bull bitcoin but francis you more in particular because you are are <laughs> well known as an outspoken maximalist and yes what's it like taking shit from people who you probably innately uh believe are sort of misguided in this space and and being principled and not backing down uh when when people are calling you out for calling out shit coins 
I don't really feel much, actually. I don't. <laughs> I, 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 I give less than zero fucks. Uh, there's like uh, someone asked me earlier, is like uh, a, a Twitter follower, and and she's told me, how do you know you're right? Like you seem like you always think that you're right and that everyone else is wrong. It's because genuinely, I mean, I've been researching this stuff for 10 years, and every time I was wrong, I changed my mind. And through the process of elimination, I haven't found a single new argument over the last like three years. Of you know, I have some some minor things, but nothing has changed my world world view since. Like possibly uh, reading Nassim Taleb's Skin in the Game, right? That was like the last time I had like an epiphany of, oh wow, this is, uh, and and uh, so uh, I focus on what's more important is the the uh, what, I, what I call the remnant after reading uh, the the uh, really amazing short story uh, Isaiah's Job, which is about uh, essentially the uh, the central idea is that I want to focus on getting people more radical. I want to focus on getting people more committed, put more resources in. I want the highest quality people to get as crazy for Bitcoin as I am. And the way that you do that is by not diluting the message. And these are people that do not identify with the mainstream. And if they see you diluting your message, uh, uh, and really, if I see myself diluting the message, uh, I'm going to lose interest in, in what I'm doing. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I don't uh, I don't even see people giving me shit on Twitter. Twitter for me is, uh, and I say this, I'm not even joking. Like Twitter, when I, I'm I'm still surprised that people read my tweets, and I I know I see the likes and everything, and like I see the retweets and stuff, but. When people come up to me in person, they're like, I love your tweets, man. Or like, oh, that tweet you did? I'm like, man, this is just like my own diary. And I got like, you know, I'm a very ADD type of person. I can't sit down and write a blog for my thoughts. I need that immediate, it comes in my head, I tweet it out. And you know, this also comes back to the memes. Like I, I studied working as a like PR person in politics, doing economic research. I know, and I did my, my master's, my master's thesis on this on narrative framing, right? So I became kind of an expert before Bitcoin on narrative framing. And memes are the way that we win people's hearts and minds because they're the most kind of condensed way to share information in a way where we know what we're thinking. Um, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a way to get people to think about a set of ideas in kind of a box really quickly so that you can digest a lot of really complex information that's like bombarding you into something your brain can comprehend and like make sense of. So like a meme is that, right? It's a it's a condensed, like shortcut for your brain, um, and uh, and uh, and you know, putting the memes out there uh, solidifies the narrative that we're trying to push. It's fo focus on Bitcoin, be cypherpunk, and you know protect privacy and focus on the core values. And um, a lot of people also they you know thinking about it as a business, uh, as a way of doing business. I mean, a lot of my thinking has been. Uh, actually inspired by a com Montreal company called Dime. I don't know if you guys know Dime, it's a skateboarding company. And uh, my friend started that, uh, we were uh, early on the meme boards, like when we were super young, like 14, you know, YTMND, we were doing memes. And they started to do memes in skateboarding and do very, very short videos, um, you know, uh, doing exactly what we're doing in the Bitcoin space, but in, in skateboarding. And what they did is they transformed their business into a cause that people who had no financial interest in were, were like, like you guys, seriously. Like, I know you guys uh, like us. I mean, I, 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 hear, I hear the comments. I, a lot of people, they're like, go bull Bitcoin, you know? And uh, instead of having to, uh, you know, hire, uh, raise tons of money for marketing and that kind of stuff, um, we can just put out our memes out there. And, you know, the, uh, the, peop the people who, uh, some people are gonna take up our memes, uh, take up our, our branding or uh, take up our ideas and root for us as a cause, acting as of like a decentralized marketing force. Um, so, you know, going, people say like, oh, I was talking to a VC yesterday and like being Bitcoin only and strictly Bitcoin only. And they're like, uh, I asked them, why don't you go Bitcoin only? And they said, oh, because we like the money. We, we think we don't like money either. Like allowing to be, be, being Bitcoin only means that we have time to develop CoinJoin. We have time to develop Cypherinode and Lightning and like the on-ramps and off-ramps and just focus on our core business. And like this makes our business much more likely to exist in 10 years than all the ones that are scrambling, fighting against each other for the next thing that grabs, you know, the VC's attention. So it is not a, it's not like selfless to be Bitcoin only. Not only is it our mission, but 
it, this is our competitive edge financially against the other companies in the in the long term. Yeah, focus is key, right? And totally, that's and reputation is key too. So you, people are a lot of people blew their reputations in 2017, 2018, and especially during those mania phases, like trying to stick Bitcoin only is is imperative for for your long term rep in this game. Yeah, yeah, the the. Twitter is a Bitcoin. Bitcoin Twitter and Bitcoin General is, is brutal. Like a lot of people, they just there's a lot of there's a lot of pressure in being an influencer. But you know, I think that uh, the the way that I hope I didn't blow it, but I might I, I might blow it. I don't know. I hope to retire before I blow it. Actually, that would be great. <laughs> that would that would be really good. I think you're on a good path right yeah. now. Um, but let's jump on the cipher node because I believe the first time. Cipher node popped in my head. That's, you gave the presentation in Riga last year. Yeah, 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 that was it. Yeah. So CypherNode was born. CypherNode is an open source software project, which is uh, uh, like supported, sponsored, and supported by Bull Bitcoin. But there's other uh, like contributors that are like key contributors that are uh, not part of Bull Bitcoin. Well, actually, that's not true because we just hired him <laughs> Boss. Uh, last week. Um, uh, but uh, the idea for CypherNode was that when we started out doing bills, we were using third-party Bitcoin APIs. So we were specifically using blockchain info for a while, and then we were using uh, block cipher, uh, stuff like the BitPay API. Uh, so uh, when we started to build a new platform, we hired you know regular web developers, and uh, it's not easy to like run your own Bitcoin core full node in an enterprise setting when you can just pay like block cipher 70 bucks a month and like, or BitGo for example, uh, we were using BitGo as a hot wallet uh, because you know, my web developers, they don't, they don't, I don't want them. They don't want to, to, to manage a Bitcoin core server for, for a business. I mean, that's, that's very hard and very dangerous. And uh, you, you need to really kind of know Bitcoin to interface with Bitcoin core. And if you're building a web app, you don't have time for that. Um, but when, when the USF happened, we're like, oh shit, like we don't have a choice but to run Bitcoin Core for all our operations exclusively because we're going on this minority uh, software project which has not been adopted by those third-party APIs. So we uh, managed to miraculously do that at the last minute using uh, a software project called Insight uh, and uh, BitCore by BitPay. Uh, but after that, they refused to, you to integrate SegWit in it, uh, and it was just garbage. So uh, we had to build our own. So and, and also, when Lightning Network came out, we wanted to be the first business to accept it. Uh, my, my, my thoughts on that have changed a little bit. I, I, I'd rather not rush that uh, yet. But uh, anyway, the, the concept was uh, we didn't know which uh, instance we were going to use or which one was going to come out on top. So we wanted to build a, a software project that would be like a meta layer above Bitcoin Core, BTCD, LND, Eclair, so that we can kind of just switch from one to another and do some abstraction on top of that. So CypherNode is basically a, uh, a, a, a method of deploying a network of virtual machines uh, that are connected together in an encrypted network that is your own network that you're controlling. So like you spawn this daemon, this network that's running in the cloud, and it includes stuff like Bitcoin Core, uh, C-Lightning, the Open Timestamp Client, PGP, a um, like a uh, some some business logic like a like a like a, a timer uh, a, a web API a webhook all sorts of utilities that you need to run apps and uh, that is exposed through an API and it's also a way of deploying web applications in tandem with Bitcoin so that you create an encrypted network which is protecting a subnetwork of web apps and a subnetwork of Bitcoin stuff so. It's kind of like, it's almost evolving more like an AWS type of thing where it's kind of like, but it's all self-hosted. So the, the concept of CypherNode is self-host your own Bitcoin API. Like why would you pay for BlockCypher when we basically open sourced what BlockCypher does? Uh, it's your own Bitcoin Explorer. It's your own Bitcoin hot wallet. Um, and where we're heading is adding all sorts of cool Bitcoin side projects in this stuff so that it's also a Bitcoin node launcher as well, right? So it's, it's a way to deploy and launch uh, a bunch of nodes in a, in a very secure way. Uh, so secure, in fact, like, I mean, we, Bull Bitcoin is in CypherNode. Bull Bitcoin is a component, uh, uh, a business logic component as part of a CypherNode network. So, I mean, it's used in production and it, it definitely does work. Um, and the concept is that we wanted the other startups in the space to be able to deploy a, a, a self-hosted backend without going the easy route, which is going through these web APIs and specifically the younger generation of people that are, you know, they don't really care about Bitcoin, Ethereum or EOS or whatever. Uh, they just want to work in the blockchain space. They're just looking for some cool tech. And uh, Ethereum had all these like tools and de dev tools and dev kits 
that are super like easy to integrate. Like if you're at a weekend hackathon, for example, Ethereum people, I, I was at a few hackathons and Ethereum people would show up and they'd be like, this is like four software libraries that you can deploy and you'll get like an Ethereum app in like a day. Right, so they get them while they're young, seriously. And then, I I if you d if you're doing a, a you know a thing like a startup thing, you will continue on the path of whatever you started on, rather than switching to like Bitcoin, which is super difficult. You've already got investment of time in it. So our idea was just that, like, make it super easy to build and deploy Bitcoin apps, and um, uh, and abstract away the difficulty of stuff like automated coin join for payment processing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so it seems like it's very privacy conscious, and that's one thing that you guys have done most recently. Is you guys are wasabing, you're coin joining all the deposits. Yeah, yeah, totally. So Cyphernode itself is the development uh, philosophy is extreme lightweight and extreme privacy, and no decision made on behalf of the user, right? So, so total sovereignty. Um, and in uh, in Bull Bitcoin, like we still do KYC, K uh, coin join, and, and Bitcoin. Uh, privacy has nothing to do with KYC, uh, but we want to protect our users. Like, and part of our philosophy is skin in the game. And I got family members that are using my, my company. I'm using my company. The staff is using the company. Friends are using the company. Other Bitcoin influencers are using a company. And like, how can I accept having like garbage companies like uh, what's the Neutrino or other blockchain trackers, chain analysis, send dust to our to our deposit addresses, try to rever reverse engineer how many users we have. Uh, they can try to reverse engineer if their users are also users of their platform. Um, there's a lot of corporate espionage going on on the blockchain. Like it's 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 hardcore. So so I can't accept that. Like that's bullshit, right? So uh, we figured out a way to uh, coin join all the incoming coins, and the way that we do it is is kind of cool because. We, um, and actually we're working very closely with the Wasabi team, they're good friends of ours, and they've been extremely responsive to like our needs as a, as a business, and like I think we're each using each other as a test case for how, how the, the large scale coin join of every business is gonna kind of evolve towards. Um, but uh, we are uh, uh, using the Wasabi RPC API or using a Wasabi XPUB, we can have the user deposits be Wasabi addresses and then coin join them directly without being aggregated before the coin join, which means that y you cannot see if you're a user of bills, who else is a user of bills because as soon as like from the deposit address, the next hop is out of a coin join. Um, and uh, we can do all sorts of crazy stuff. We can do fake coin join sometimes. We can put some decoys. We can merge outputs. How would you do that? Uh, so, well, you know, a, a, a fake coin join is basically you splitting your UTXOs and making a, a coin join transaction with yourself uh, without actually going through a public coordinator. Um, but, uh, and there's a, there's a few scripts to do that, like that automate doing that. But if you are, ex imagine a BCC pay server where you put a, uh, a different addresses uh, uh, for, for invoices and different people pay, well, these are different people's UTXOs. So if you do a fake coin join with different people's UTXOs, well, it kind of becomes a real coin join, right? right. Um, and there's also, like, people do not understand how insanely difficult it is to track coin join. Like, coin join actually works super well. Uh, I've done uh, blockchain analysis in the past. I was hired by a in a court case, and uh, I did it as a hobby, uh, you know, stolen Bitcoins. Uh, I, I really like doing blockchain analysis, uh, trying to figure out what's going on on the blockchain. And like, I can't see shit past a coin join. And even worse, there's there's uh, if you merge, if we merge, for example, the users' outputs, uh, uh, which are people selling bitcoins to us and paying bills, uh, we merge them into another hot wallet, for example, for our own use or to sell to someone else. Someone's looking at the blockchain. He's seeing like seven inputs, for example that are being merged into one input, or 30 inputs being merged into one input, and he, th and he thinks, oh, well, it's mu it must have been one person which is cashing out of his coin join. So I'm going to look at the blockchain backwards and try to figure out who that person is by looking at the patterns of his UTXOs. But what they're actually going to be looking at is all sorts of different random people that have completely randomly different patterns of Bitcoin usage, and they're going to be like, whoa, what the fuck is this? Like, what is this person doing? He's on local Bitcoins in this country? So, so the the level of plausible deniability that you get from CoinJoin is like I mean it destroys every single privacy coin that you can imagine it it, it really does truly work. Two questions um, regarding Wasabi and CoinJoining. One, how are you guys managing like the fees with that? And then two, 
we talk about this a lot on rabbit hole recap like is there a threshold at which uh there's amount of bitcoin that's being coined joined that 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 affords us a, a degree of privacy uh, across the whole network do you think yeah so regarding the fees the the the, the real answer is uh we haven't really kept track uh it's uh uh, it, it's it's not a, it's, it's not a business expense that 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 I look at and I'm like I want to I want to save on it. Uh, so the the fees of CoinJoin are I pre they're decided by the coordinator for, for, first of all. So the Wasabi coordinator is going to decide the transaction fees because he creates and crafts the transaction. Um, and uh, I think that they've increased them recently so that the CoinJoin speed is a little bit faster. Uh, regarding the the anonymity set fees like the the coordinator fees. I mean, that's a very reasonable business expense to have. Um, it's, uh, in Wasabi, it's 0.003% per anonymity set. Uh, I'm not going to say how much anonymity set we use, but uh, uh, we only use 100. Uh, there's a certain level of anonymity set that is completely fine, and it's actually a good thing to alternate so that people can't uh, try to figure out uh, who you are if you have a weird, like, 17 of anonymity set, stuff like that. Um, and uh, the transaction fees, there's just Bitcoin transaction fees, so it's, it's not... Um, it's not a huge issue. Uh, the the thing with the with CoinJoin is the more liquidity comes in, uh, it's kind of a compounding effect, right? So uh, Wasabi is going much faster since we we started to put our liquidity through it, and it's going fairly well. Uh, the level at which CoinJoin becomes, I this is a very good question actually because I was just thinking that, and I was talking with Sis uh, and Bitcoin earlier on this podcast. Um, uh, I don't want there to be like a two tier system of uh, private users and non-private users. I think that's a really bad outcome for a few reasons. One, it makes it easier to track the non-private users. Uh, so it makes their situation worse, actually, if we are using CoinJoin in mass, uh, because the chain analysis can focus their efforts on them having completely abandoned the idea of tracking us. Uh, or so I hope, <laughs> unless I'm wrong. Um, but uh, uh, I don't really know the answer in percentage. Um, I don't know how much. I, I haven't really kept track. I uh, think we're at like 5% right now. That's very possible. You guys I were a nice boost. We need more actual like exchanges if you, doing If yeah. you look at the uh, the amount of UTXOs holding 0.1 BTC or more, it's right. like increased crazily. Yeah, yeah. And uh, all those uh, BEC32 addresses uh, with, uh, you know, fixed amount of Bitcoins. That's my, qu my question is, what are you doing with the uh, the change that's below the threshold? Like uh, how are you dealing with that? Yeah, uh, I'm... I'm not the person who operates. I, I have a specific guy that operates right. the Wasabi wallet. Uh, I think that's a problem, actually. I think that's. I, I don't know exactly uh, what the problem is. What you can do for those, I think you have to merge. You have to merge them. You like right? merge them with an already coin joint transaction, yeah, yeah, and you mix yeah, it again. Exactly. Or you use so something like Samurai that has smaller pools. Uh, pool what sizes. what we can probably do is, uh, uh, I'm, I think. Um, hmm. I think send them out to another Wasabi wallet or merge some random coins, like send some random coins to that to, to add them up and merge them later. Or possibly even we could do a, actually we can do a fake coin join actually. Mm -hmm. If you can fa yeah. fake coin join you fake coin join them into a larger input. Right. Uh, and it's I only like a temporary it's a more of a temporary yes. problem because as liquidity increases you'll be able to Coin join of all amounts. So the future of coin join is going to be a large market of different coordinators that are offering different uh, trade-offs between anonymity set time and fees and stuff like that. So we're already seeing that, right? So for example, um, if we want to make a 200 Bitcoin coin join, we can also go on the joint market order book and get absolutely wrecked with a really deep order of like two percent for the coin join. But like, if you want to do that, there's the option. If you want to have a faster uh, coin join with uh, Whirlpool or, or something like that, that's definitely possible. Even within Wasabi, I think that uh, you can create a Wasabi compliant coordinator. Yeah, you can just fork out the coordinator with your own sure, coordinator. Sure, sure. Yeah. Maybe is there going to be a high volume coin join between startups like us? Maybe. Uh, is there going to be a super pleb uh, tiny coin join in Wasabi? Is maybe Wasabi will have, you know, large, medium, and small. Uh, if you're listening, that's actually not a bad idea. <laughs> I think they just need liquidity to increase, right? Like, there's plenty yes. of people that want bigger amounts. There's plenty of people that want smaller amounts. Yes. So just keep them all in the same pool for now because we don't have enough people using yeah, it yet. Yeah, but I think they will specialize over time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then obviously the emergence of Schnorr and all this stuff will make will make it even more incentivized to coin join and yes, stuff like that. Yes, yes. So Schnorr is going to make it much cheaper. And I think there's – it's not unlikely that someone's going to figure out a way to make – like coin join cheaper than regular Bitcoin transactions. Like I would not be surprised if someone figured out a way for that to happen. 
Well, they, say they say once they say P2EP will be right. Like oh yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Actually, that's that's something. That's one I w I want us to be the first ones to use that. Uh, so I'm actually thinking about that uh, a lot. I've been thinking about that a lot. Uh, I talked to the uh, the the joint market guys that have it. I think it's the only wallet that has. No, Samurai has it as well. Samurai has it as well. Uh, so there's PayJoin. I think they call it uh, in joint market and in Samurai. I think it's called. Uh, Ricochet uh, or uh, Cahoots band or something? Cahoots, no, yeah. yeah. No, no, yeah. It's, I think it's Cahoots. So Cahoots, it's, that it's makes more sense. So, something like Ricochet is uh, having the transaction bounce off like a, a random number, like seven times before it hits its final destination, yeah. cycling through your own addresses. Um, no, so that's great. So P to endpoint is kind of like a, it's a little bit like Lightning uh, in the sense that you know I think both nodes need to be online. There's some kind of key exchange going on over there. Uh, but yeah, I think it's it's extremely pr promising, and uh, uh, that's a very very private transaction type. Yeah. Um, no, I'm 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 bullish on uh, Bitcoin privacy as we head into the future, um, and that's like probably one of the biggest Achilles heels. Would you say? Would you agree with that? Biggest Achilles heel of the network is is privacy. Yeah, yeah, I, th I think that's I, I think that's uh, well, not. I've never seen it like that because I all—I mean, CoinJoin is like an old concept, so uh, I, I, c I could definitely see why people think that, right? Because the way that I see Bitcoin is is so extensible at layers on top, and I have a—I guess—I guess a lot of imagination uh, on what kind of crazy apps and crazy systems that are semi-centralized, completely decentralized, are going to pop up on top and make it more anonymous at the uh, at the top but for example i've always been more concerned about the auditability of the bitcoin supply and the permissionless trustless validation than i've been with uh, the privacy because it's kind of like privacy is something uh that you get at a higher layer but it's also something more contextual for example when people say they talk about monero being more private i'm like are you a drug dealer have you used monero to sell drugs or have you used monero to uh, move money out of a country you're saying it's more private. Have you have you done it? Show me the whole cycle of what's going to happen. You're going to get the Monero. What do you do with the Monero? You're going to have to sell it. Where are you going to sell it? You're going to go on BISC. And then from BISC, what are you going to do? You're going to get Bitcoins? Or are you going to go with some OTC guy? I mean, it's there's always going to be a trail. Uh, Monero is not used out of context. If it was a 100% Monero economy, for example, maybe it would be a very private coin. Uh, but to me, like liquidity is one of the biggest uh, uh, drivers of, pri of privacy. Right. Uh, if you think about it, about it, like liquidity is just anonymity set, right? In Monero, like sure you have uh, some some fancy crypto, but your anonymity set is almost nil, and you you can't liquidate it. And the less uh, the less uh, li liquidity, uh, the more likely you get, you know, into a honeypot, or you get de-anonymized, or something like that, or you get trapped. Uh, yeah. So uh, you're looking at uh, assailant number one on the Monero community shit list right here. All right. <laughs> I have like a whole group of Monero trolls that love my tweets. Oh my god! <laughs> no, but Monero, Monero, Monero is great. But I mean, uh, it's it's a cool idea. I, I think it's uh, the least worst shitcoin. Uh, it is it is the least worst shitcoin as far as I'm concerned. Um, but again, like uh, Monero's uh, the the privacy in Monero is very theoretical, I would say. Um, and I think the the people that are using Monero uh, to actually hide their transactions. Uh, are not thinking about the other aspects of privacy, and maybe that's that's even worse. Um, but I mean, I'm happy that Monero existed because it did obviously put pressure on on people to work out coin join into Bitcoin. Because if you want to, you know, have the the one coin, I mean, you need to have you know the main competing feature. And I think that with coin join, we we have that. Um, and I think with uh, you know stuff like state chains, for example, uh, Lightning, obviously, and uh, li uh, Liquid. Uh, I, I don't think there's a demand for smart contracts at all. I, I really don't think so, actually. Uh, uh, smart contracts like uh, Turing complete smart contracts, like the, the Ethereum smart contracts. Uh, so, I mean, RSK, I don't really care that they exist. Uh, but as far as I'm concerned, like all the, the features that are missing in Bitcoin on paper, you know, for, for the, uh, the normies to, to compare coins, uh, we are getting them uh, at, a, at a pretty good pace. Yeah, I would I would agree as well. And um, so I want to shift this to like you guys are building bull Bitcoin. You're let's say you get, you're pretty radical, right? Do you, you, there's some big implications if Bitcoin does become successful? Like, what's it like being this radical? This this sort of ab like abrupt about your Bitcoin love, and you're you're basically building a company that's 
coming at the state and their power to to issue money and stuff like that. Do you you ever have your head on a swivel, like walking around? Are you worried about anything? Uh, from my perspective, I, I think this kind of an attitude in Bitcoin is necessary to to kind of shift the what is normal. Like, uh, yeah, okay, we're we're for sure the most extreme company <laughs> in the space. Like, I mean, we're, uh, like we said, un unapologetically maximalist. Maybe, like, Rodolfo's the only one who oh. gives you yeah, a Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, Rodolfo. Yeah, yeah, he's, uh, <laughs> I love, I love, I love Rodolfo. Um, yeah, I, I think that we're, all we're doing is, is we're taking, you know, the far side of the spectrum to help shift the normies into a reasonable level of Bitcoin maximalism. I think there is, you know, like, uh, okay, just myself and Francis sitting here, like, I'm, I would say, like, Francis is one of the more extreme people that I've met. But I appreciate that because it, it keeps that, it, it keeps the narrative on a path of, like, you know, you, you get to a Bitcoin-only conference and, you know, there's some extreme maximalism, which actually, you know what? I found here uh, at the event that, that everybody's been super nice and, and super inviting and, and the conversations have been great. But, but having that sentiment in the room, it takes the people that would have been pumping bullshit and it brings them into the conversation as a, you know what? Like, yeah, you know, Bitcoin is, is important and like, and, and they're very cautious to like try and pump bullshit and i think when we when we you know are unforgiving in the way that we approach this again we drive that that narrative into the realm where it's, it's just not okay to be pumping outright scams and we've seen kind of this shift i'm, I'm sure it'll migrate back with another crazy pump there's there's going to be bullshit coming in the in the next major bull market but um, yeah, I think it's important that we, we just shift those goalposts a little bit so that people can't be as blatant with what they're trying to, what they're trying to scam people with. Yeah. And this harpens back to earlier on the conversation with narratives. And that's something that Matt and I talk about a lot is like, we're trying to normalize coin joining. Like this should be a good thing. Like you should have financial privacy. You should not feel dirty when you're coin joining your coins. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. It's making it socially palatable is important like when we're crafting these narratives like it is not a bad thing to want financial privacy yeah no and like you know one of the reasons i'm doing that is because i'm good at it right i mean uh i was uh, i studied it i worked professionally in bitcoin before uh kind of uh condensing complex ideas into things that kind of resonate with people and you know since i like kind of made a conscious decision to really up up the the rhetoric and like quit uh, uh, uh like also i can i don't have a boss right so i can uh, and uh, not only that but my business partners think that you know my radical humor is fucking hilarious and, and, <laughs> and you know i my friends think it's super funny and everybody around me that i care about uh they don't give me shit right they're uh they they see what i'm doing they get what i'm doing um, but it does feel strange and weird to 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 have that effect on people in the sense that to me like again when, when I tweet when I when I say things I do it very consciously knowing that I'm influencing people uh, I, I'm very careful with the way that I say things for example um, but I'm still kind of super surprised uh, when I joined the Bitcoin embassy in the first time you notice I didn't name any one of the founders uh, it's because I, I rarely do it's because these guys they told me hey we'll take you in uh, they, th we, we met through libertarian circles and they said, okay, we'll take you in. Uh, we'll teach you everything we know about Bitcoin. We'll get you in the Bitcoin space, but you're going to be the public face and you're going to be the one who talks. And your job is to be, you have the responsibility of being that face. And like, I just started doing it and you know, I can't really go back. Uh, but the thing is I get a huge amount of love also, like a huge, I I'm, s I'm so every time shocked when people, they come to me and they like, they always say like, I learned so much because of you. I changed my mind because of you. I got into it. I quit my job. I did this. I did that. And I'm like, holy crap, like, this is awesome. Like, I'm having a huge ripple effect on all sorts of other people. And the criticism and the, the bullshit, like, I, 
you know, I, I always imagine when I was younger, I was very romantic in the French literary <laughs> sense, like enamored with the resistance and the, the French Revolution. Yeah, you recently posted a picture of you when you were younger, like in a leather jacket. Yeah, yeah. Giving the I, finger to someone. Yeah, what was that? Uh, I think that was me in, in Berlin at the fall of the wall of Berlin. Mm -hmm. And I've always been kind of uh, Bitcoin is just the, the best cause. Right. It's just like uh, it's the best thing to dedicate yourself fully to. And like I feel very good about myself. I sleep like a baby. I, I don't feel like I'm scamming anyone. I feel like I'm doing the right thing. Uh, and I feel, you know, I, I'm very, very content. And uh, uh, the, the Twitter rhetoric, I think, shows people that, like, it's kind of, you know, s some s I, I hope people see it as someone standing up and being like, you know, fuck this. Like, let's just real talk. Like, Bitcoin is too important. Uh, this is not a game. Uh, we're not here to make friends. Uh, we're here to like change the world change the world and like your feelings matter not at all to to me right right and it's something we harp on a lot here too is like bitcoin's provided this common mission for people to to sort of gather around and and make happen in a very disparate decentralized way and it's fucking beautiful in my opinion yep. like it's given me purpose that's why we do this podcast that's why i write every day like it feels good to wake up. Like you said, I sleep like a baby as well. And yeah, totally. Be invigorated <laughs> every day around a, a common yeah. cause that so many like-minded people have, mm -hmm. have, have dedicated their lives to as well. And like most of the, you know, uh, most of the builders of Bitcoin, uh, uh, guys that I like that I've met, uh, all of us, all, most of them, they, they think of like building cathedrals that last for like hundreds of years, right? Like thousands of years, like. I always have this joke where I'm saying like I want to have like statues of me from my grateful <laughs> descendants which are now like barons that own Australia or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm thinking right, like right. eight generations down where there's going to be like paintings of me on the wall like the Medici's or something. The seven and generation it's, uh, it's mindset. You got to have And that. I'm half joking in a way, right? I, I think a lot of people that are building Bitcoin are starting to really extend their and it's something that we haven't seen since like there's there's another there's two other things that do that to people. There is religion and climate change, right? These are the two other things out there that get people to really think like extremely long term and to like um, try try to see the the effect of their life in in a cross generational span and be mindful of that. But Bitcoin is the third one, you know. And I'm not a religious person. I'm not. I, I don't care about religion. Climate change, not the biggest fan of the climate change religion, uh, but Bitcoin is that other one that, and if you're an adventurer, if you're, if you're a fucking rebel, what are you gonna do? Like all, all the vices have been, you know, we can't even buy vapes, e-cigs yeah. in San Francisco. If you're a rebel, what are you gonna do? You're gonna build on Bitcoin, right? If you wanna explore like space, well, y you can't, uh, and the oceans are like boring, so like, <laughs> <laughs> so no, the oceans are amazing, but you know, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna explore Bitcoin, right? The next frontier. So yeah, it's just, uh, it's just the best ride. Uh, like, I don't know why someone, it's, it's the new far west, right? It's the new wild west. And the way that I see it is like, I'm going there and you know some people there they they discovered it and some people landscaped you know uh, they 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 they, they car uh, did the, the maps and I'm coming in and I'm building a railway and I'm building a general store and I'm getting that prime real estate and like anybody can do that like all you have to do is pick up your bags go west and just like don't get killed exactly no and it's bitcoin's very punk rock that's why I like to learn that you're into skateboarding growing up like I've talked about this as well bitcoin reminds me a lot about skateboarding it's just rebels trying yeah. to figure out new ways to make something and happen. using their energy in a constructive way because like bitcoin pe people in bitcoin even the, the the craziest toxic bitcoin anonymous accounts on twitter that i've talked to in person and stuff like that like they're actually like very positive minded people like extremely like they clearly have a lot of energy and uh uh you know uh maybe some testosterone or some uh, th th they they are contrarians. They are uh, people that are conflictual, maybe, but they are all driven by a very positive thing. Instead of you know destroying people's lives <laughs> or killing people or or creating wars or like uh, these are people that are dedicated truly to something that's positive, uh, regardless of their personalities. Yeah, and the toxic toxicity is quote unquote toxicity. I don't think it's toxic at all, but it's a it's a defense mechanism to make sure we don't fuck this up. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, right. absolutely. And you know, uh, toxic to me is like maximalist. You know, um, you call me toxic. You know, fuck it. I'll I'll reclaim that word. Right. Uh, I, I because I identify with it. I think of toxic. 
I think of guys like Giacomo. I think of my other Twitter friends that I've known for a long time. Uh, you know, I put the toxic logo in my in my handle. And I mean, screw it. Like, if, if this is how you want to paint us, do it at your own detriment. And the, the people that identify in such a way now have uh, something to rally around, which is funny and which offends people. And I'm perfectly fine with that. We actually took out a full-page ad in Bitcoin Magazine for the when they started doing... Uh, you know the new the new issue and so at the bottom of the ad it says follow the toxicity and there's like the the twitter handles of everybody involved in bull bitcoin there and uh yeah it's 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 pretty solid it's it's funny <laughs> oh and there's there's a funny backstory i can share with you guys uh we actually submitted no shit coins on our ad but the bitcoin magazine review board said that's not appropriate so we changed it to no honk coins not knowing that there's like a honk Pepe thing, what? Because, because honk for us was just like a like a oh, like, clown like a clown nose, like you know yeah. when you you like censor someone with a, like a clown thing, uh, and then that exact day Facebook banned honk from from their site, uh, so we're like <laughs> we just got in like uh, and it's, it's it's there forever. If if honk ever becomes maybe in like 50 years, I'd be like, oh, it was like using the N word back in the 20s. Uh, these guys were, were socially backward. I don't know, but but it's in there. Uh, and we also love Bitcoin Magazine. I think uh, just generally people listening were at the Bitcoin 2019 conference, obviously, and uh, I've I've been. Uh, like following them and friends with them for a really long time at the Bitcoin Embassy, we were distributing Why Bitcoin Magazine, uh, which they sent us for free. Uh, I think thousands of copies for us to hand out. I don't know if you guys remember Why Bitcoin, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, right, the that was BTC Media as well. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that was Dave Bailey uh, and then Bitcoin Magazine. And I saw, I talked to them uh, a few other team for a while, and I really saw the 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 Bitcoin only transformation. And they announced they were going Bitcoin only, like I think a week after or a week before we announced the Bitcoin only uh, exchange. And uh, uh, it is a genuine, true shift that, that they're bringing, which is like, let's take it back home. And uh, I'm really excited to see what they're going to uh, be building. I, th I think they, they are putting a lot of resources into, and they are one of the institutions around which the Bitcoin narrative revolves. And we're incredibly lucky that we ended up with these like really good people in, in different businesses and different sectors that are just holding the fort so well and that are really creating a big gravitational pull around them. Um, it really speaks a lot to the Bitcoin project, just the quality of the people that are that are like dedicated to it. Yeah, let's give a quick shout out to Aaron Van Weerdom, who's been. Oh holding. yeah, Aaron. Also, I've been following his work for a long time, and he's he's definitely we're lucky to have him. We are very lucky. His uh, his technical details of Bitcoin Magazine throughout the years have been incredible. His, uh, his documenting of the fork wars, uh, explaining SegWit, whatever it may be. How they to dump your Bcash. How to dump your Bcash. Totally. And what's great about him is his articles are like evergreen. Like if you read his old stuff, it's still good. It's still super amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, we need uh, we need people like that to. Uh, and actually, we, we need to remember our history as well. And we you know we need to carry the history forward. One thing that I've noticed is not a lot of people were around in USF times. Right. I thought. I I didn't realize how many new Bitcoiners there are until I th I feel like an old guy. Like you remember <laughs> USF? Like, well, I've heard about it on Twitter, but no. And I'm like, oh shit, you weren't there. Like you missed a massive show. No, but uh, a lot of people that were there too were just completely uh, oblivious yeah. to it. Like I yeah. talked to people who came into the space, you know, a year, two years before, and they just had no idea. They didn't even realize it was. What going a on. fun time to be on Twitter that summer was. Oh my god, that was brutal. Right. I, I uh, a, f a few of the of the Twitter of USF guys like we spent like pff, man like four or five months almost entirely dedicated to that. It was just nonstop flying to every other place like behind the scenes like it was super. It was a lot of effort uh, because the uh, the Segwit2x, the Gavin, the Mycurrent, Bit148, Bit91, all that shit. Uh, Garzik uh, camp, uh, they were really active, and we we like we hang out at the same conferences, so we could see them being extremely active, taking people away. So we just had to, and then Twitter became the uh, like that started the whole idea of the Twitter signaling, uh, the idea of putting your lightning. That was a after UASF was done. I was like, uh, a few of the people like, what do we put in our handles now? Let's we put a lightning something. sign. Yeah. yeah, we need something. And now I put the toxic sign, uh, no two X. Um, so yeah, it was it was like a, and what it did was it provided evidence of a few things, uh, and it also made us all learn about how Bitcoin works. Uh, but one of them was the miners don't decide the rules. There is no such thing as democracy. Uh, 
now that seems like a very ingrained idea that if you ask like a, a Bitcoin expert or someone that's like us that's really into this, like is Bitcoin a democracy where miners vote? 95% uh, of people will say no, that's not the Bitcoin consensus. But at that time, uh, maybe people do, I don't know, but not in my circles. And at that time, it was a very contested issue. Is Bitcoin a democracy or not? And I was like, no fucking way, I'm getting another. I, I just left democracy in order to change how things are run. I'm not, I don't want a new democracy. And uh, with 90% of the hash power going for Segwit2x and half of the businesses uh, of transaction volume going for Segwit2x and getting wrecked uh, by the economic reality of Bitcoin, it's like if we have the insiders that are, that are trying to wreck this thing uh, and that can't, uh, and it's not easy to like screw with Bitcoin. Like they, there was a lot of hardcore schemes with Bitmain at that time and you know funding BitPay and like uh, funding other projects and getting people to like sign mutual like defense agreements against others other uh, it was like super intense and uh, that whole like scheming I think is come done like it's not gonna happen again so that was like that that was one of the things that made me super bullish on Bitcoin um, UASF not that much but Segwit2x I'm like there's no way that any coin ever other than bitcoin could have resisted that ever right yeah, yeah totally I, I remember i interviewed you twice during like before we worked together before anything i interviewed you twice leading up to this the first one it, it was like the it's it's your quote was it's over we won and that was like with the activation of uas like we got segwit and everything and then uh, we were talking in september of 2017 and you basically called the outcome of what was going to happen a couple months down the road when 2x failed you basically said preemptively like they're gonna you know they're gonna back out like this it's gonna fail it's probably not even even gonna run and like all of that shit happened and and for me personally like i i was still i was learning about the stuff and and I mean, I, I always am constantly trying to to learn and take it in. But for me, that realization when was it like 24 hours before they, they backed out of 2x? Yeah, the, the one off the bug. Letter, yeah, the single letter, like the some one -off low key bug. email. <laughs> like, yeah. no, yo. no, the one off bug was later because it, it wouldn't have yeah. actually implemented anyway. But like the, the main signers sent out like a, oh, yeah. an email blog post mm -hmm. where they were like, we're not doing it. It, it was very dry. And, uh, but like, and they th didn't apologize. There was no, no apology or anything. Today was a great opportunity to apologize for Eric uh, Voorhees. Uh, he was, he's a good guy. But uh, I, I think he should have just said, yeah, I was wrong. Like, it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to be wrong. Um, but I think why I was so confident was uh, I met a lot of the UASF advocates and like a lot of the companies that we talked to and that were kind of on our side. And the the the, the we were definitely outnumbered and definitely, most definitely outgunned, ridiculously outgunned. And uh, but we had the resolve that they didn't have the right? intolerant minority baby exactly that's it and it's just before that time i think that i read skin in the game and i read anti fragile before and i had read uh, and i had read his article before it came out in the book and i and i just completely it's it's the way that i saw it was it was a game of chicken and we were like rednecks like downing bottles of vodka like shooting in the air ready to die moonshine v versus like jihan <laughs> And the other business, like Silicon Valley, Valley business leaders, like in their little suits and little, you know, of course they're gonna swear out of the way. Uh, they, they they didn't believe in it as much as we did, because a lot of them, for them, Bitcoin again, it's just a market. It's just a, it's just a. It could have been AI, but it was Bitcoin. By the time it happened, they had like nothing to gain, and they yeah. had like everything to lose. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. like all the incentives just stacked completely in favor of of not yeah. changing. No, uh, yeah, totally. I was gonna say in that event in particular, like that we got segwit uh segwit 2x did not happen i think that signals to the greater public too like this is not what we're used to corporations are not going to come in and run this system like it is truly a system for the people that, that honestly was like my moment in bitcoin where i was like well this is, nobody can fuck with bitcoin like right. i saw i saw that happen i was like are you kidding me imagine any other industry where every industry leader every major company gets together and says yeah we're changing this shit and people are like nah yeah. Nah, fam. Not yeah, going to happen. They pumped to 20K right afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> and they were definitely correlated. <laughs> I, I think so as well. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. Uh, like, when when I, I told people to buy three times in my life, uh, 
when Bearwell got uh, uh, destroyed, when uh, uh, Segwit got activated, and uh, in uh, just at the end of this year, uh, when I just could not see more Bitcoins being so sold anywhere, like yeah. from an OTC standpoint, it was like super dried up. It was like people are just refusing to sell now. And um, because the, the activation of Segwit was like the last barrier to convincing people like that, the, the fact that the idea that miners are in control of Bitcoin was a huge problem for a lot of people because they saw it as China, a Chinese coin, yep. uh, like uh, uh, that was going to serve the, and it was a big problem for, for, for many, many people. And then we were like, no, 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 it's, 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 th and the idea now is that uh, we can scale socially because we don't have to worry about these things because people will never agree on anything. There's no, there's no sense in trying. We've seen that on a doubling of the block size, we could not agree to a, uh, to a point where people are calling this a civil war. So forget the idea of governing Bitcoin, forget the idea that there's any centralization uh, and that you're gonna make it happen with your, your, your very nice governance scheme with uh, balance incentives that you're gonna impose on us or whatever, uh, these trade-offs that are negotiated by you know, responsible business people or whatever they, they think they're doing, and then we can focus on other things. Right, and Bitcoiners should not have to think that much about Bitcoin. We're thinking about Bitcoin now because we're like in the bootstrap industry. But like in 20 years, there should be no Bitcoin community. There should be like Bitcoin IT experts and Bitcoin economists and whatever. And if we're if we have to scale Bitcoin, like we have to uh, the idea of, uh, of following on social media in order to be aware of what's going on uh, needs to go away. And this is this was my ultimate argument for backwards incompatible hard forks is that if some guy that bought Bitcoin in 2012 wants to use bills uh, he, and he syncs up his Bitcoin node and he sends his money to me, it must work. You got to think about the man in the coma. It's Absolutely. Right? And, and they, they, when the, the uh, Segwit2x people were talking about the users and how they represent the users, I'm like, when's the last time you've spent a day with one of your users? Like, don't. Uh, don't bullshit me. Like y you don't <laughs> know what the users are, and and the users will not upgrade to your fork. The users will lose coins when this happens, and and they will be super disappointed. And then I will never look at someone in the eye and tell them that I'm in a new Bitcoin with different rules, and his Bitcoin are not valid anymore. Like I will never do that. Right. And thank you for that. And this has been a great conversation. We're an hour five minutes in. I think this is a great segue to X history episode. Cool. Very good episode. I'm I'm just extremely bullish right now. I <laughs> <laughs> I am so <laughs> bullish. It's unreal. Like, bullish with bull I Bitcoin. I didn't want to be bullish. I really didn't. I'm begrudgingly bullish. I'm just always bullish, but now I'm extra bullish. I really, I, and this is a comment that so many Bitcoiners have been telling me over the last few days, is I really thought I had more time. It right? always catches you off guard, yeah. no matter what. Yeah. It doesn't matter yeah. how long you've been here. It's, uh, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Before we part here, do you guys have any parting notes about what you're working on? Any messages you want to send the freaks out there? Oh, one thing. Uh, um, uh, so, bull Bitcoin is Canada only. So, unfortunately, uh, Bill and bull Bitcoin, all you non-Canadian users, uh, you can't use us. But uh, we also uh, just launched a art store and a merch store where we're selling some some gear, um, and uh, we're adding uh, unique items like every two couple of weeks. So, we have an artist that's putting some some cool stuff out there. So, if you wanna, you know, uh, see some merch. Some some Bitcoin art. Are Americans allowed to buy merch? Oh, they are. Yeah, they uh, most <laughs> definitely are. And a, uh, a few of them have bought it. End of the free. Yeah. And and I I will say that uh, any of the trolls out there that that tell us like we're toxic or whatever, it just gives us more fodder to like create new merch. Like there's, <laughs> I, I was telling you guys before we started, but some dude was calling one of our designs Satanist, and so our 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 artist was like, "Oh, you're gonna love the next design." And did like a quick like paper napkin like design of like. You know, like some goat head, and like <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's coming. So you know, the trolls out there, keep keep it going because it gives us great ideas. Keep feeding the bull. Yes. <laughs> keep feeding the bull Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. Cut the bullshit, gentlemen. Thank you for joining us. It's been an incredible conversation. All right, thanks, guys. Love you. Cheers. Peace and love. Bye. Bye. Oh, yeah.